Zach, Matthew, and I are here again for another week of Clean Tech Talks. Uh, this week we've got two exciting topics. Uh, the first one will be a uh, we're going to talk about a coal plant that was retired and shut down and is now being brought back to life by Sun Edison. Uh, but not as a coal plant, natural gas plant, or other fossil fuel plant. It's actually coming back as a solar plant. Uh, so that's going to be exciting to dig into. And we're also going to uh, talk a bit about the Model 3 event, the big launch, the big announcement of that, and all of the uh, craziness around that. So, Matthew, do you want to dive into that coal story? Absolutely. Thanks a bunch, Kyle. Uh, what we have here in uh, in Ontario, Canada, is the Nanticoke Generating Station. It was formerly the largest coal-fired power plant in North America at 4 gigawatts, roughly. And uh, through Ontario's coal phase-out program, the uh, plant was shuttered about a couple years back. Uh, not coincidentally, the number of smog days in Ontario went from 53 in 2005 to zero last year. You know, excellent news for uh, for lungs across the province and in other nearby environs. And what has happened is that uh, through a an LRP program, a large renewable project, a tender program, Sun Edison uh, won a bid to uh, repurpose this coal plant into a 44 megawatt solar farm. So you could kind of think it that. Uh, Despite the bad karma of its prior incarnation, this coal plant will move on to a, a nicer, better life as a, <clears throat> as a solar farm. Sorry about that. And uh, even though the uh, the solar farm is about you know one percent roughly of the size of the coal plant, eh, fair enough. You know Ontario, some parts are fairly sunny, but it's you know it's hardly Saudi Arabia or anything of that sort. I think what the most interesting uh, aspect to this is and. It doesn't seem to have been picked up anywhere, but I'm sure there are undercurrents. Is that this coal plant, and you'll be able to see the uh, the, the link in the image in the show notes. It's a it's a very big affair. You must have hundreds of thousands of cubic feet uh, of uh, you know nicely covered engineered buildings and all the transmission capacity you would need, all the equipment you need to make sure the uh, electricity is uh, smoothed for the grid purposes. Uh, it would surprise me if there wasn't an effort to make this into a test bed for energy storage technologies. Basically, you have all the interconnects you need. You have a solar farm. You have a, a almost a a perfect, I don't want to call it perfect storm because that's kind of a negative thing, but you have a, a perfect uh, symbiotic situation here where um, there is a tremendous opportunity not just to turn this coal plant into a uh, solar facility, which is going to be done, but uh, you could also make it into a solar plus storage test bed where you could have your flow batteries, you know, any variety of, uh, of you know, lithium ion, any flavor of lithium ion, perhaps, uh, perhaps some other technologies, whether it's flywheels or, or other uh, uh, concepts. And uh, you have all the space and all of the equipment necessary to really give these things a big, uh, a big chance to uh, prove themselves and to collect valuable data on the relative merits and you know possible weaknesses of these solutions. So it is a really really exciting story, which is much more which is much bigger than the 40 megawatts, uh, much bigger even than the 40 megawatts of solar from four gigawatts of coal. But it's a a phenomenal uh, story that uh, perhaps can epitomize our transition off of fossil fuels. 
yeah, perhaps one day we'll be able to find out um, similar uh, installations have been done in other reco- retired coal plants elsewhere. True that Sun Edison does seem to be going a few um, uh, a bit through some turbulence. Let's be be polite and we'll call it turbulence. Uh, since this is an LRP program, I'm I'm sure that. Uh, if they are unfortunately forced to restructure or withdraw this particular project, uh, I'm sure that it would be picked up by uh, other developers. It, it, there's just um, it, it makes sense. Uh, there's a lot of value to it. Um, and uh, just thinking on this, um, a coal plant isn't necessarily a brownfield site in terms of it's not necessarily... Well, I guess it probably is polluted a lot with, you know, mercury, heavy metal residue just from the coal itself. But... Um, there was an article written by this dude named Zed Shahan on uh, on Clean Technic about six years ago, noting that there were like a half a million brownfield sites in the states, um, landfills, other sort of hazardous waste things, or, you know, perhaps going all the way down to you know disused gas stations, and uh, perhaps another angle to approach this with is that. In terms of your environmental permitting, uh, certainly when it comes to you know mines which have shut down and so forth, you know, realistically the 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 local environment has already been tarred or or tarnished, such that uh, one doesn't have to uh, go through quite as many hoops if you want to put up uh, a wind farm or more likely a, a solar uh, solar utility scale uh, deployment. And so there's a there's a, an opportunity there, not just in in um, being able to make positive use of these sites, but uh, possibly even you know using some of the revenue you can get from these sites to do some of the remediation and the and the cleanup, while also being able to shortcut some of the legislative uh, um, precautions that we have in place when one is uh, going into virgin territory, as it were, or, or a greenfield site, simply because uh, well in a brownfield site. Uh, the green's already gone, more or less. Yeah, and on top of that, in this case, I mean, it's not exactly a site a lot of other developers are going to be looking to use. Like, oh, a retired coal plant, that sounds perfect for our new housing complex. You know, it's not like something people are going to go turn into a park. So I think it it's probably really affordable. Um, and then, uh, as you mentioned, Matthew, I mean, it's got a lot of value with the... Uh, connections to the grid and all of that infrastructure as well for a solar or other renewable installation. So I think it's really neat to see uh, that development. Like you said, Zach, I mean, the, the fact that it's formerly the largest coal plant in North America, it's really an iconic installation. Uh, but unfortunately, with the, the massive decrease in capacity there, at least for this initial phase, um, they are seeing prices increase. So I like looking at the whole picture. And uh, right now they're seeing price increases of 80% uh, for their, their normal peak rates, and then for off-peak rates, they're seeing a 144% increase in electricity price. And I think that's just the the ramp-up. So those uh, old prices, which they, they referenced 2006 pricing, those are going to be based on fully depreciated coal assets, um, assets that have um, been installed for a long time. They've really got a proven... Uh, developed infrastructure, whereas a lot of these renewables uh, are having to build a lot of that infrastructure from the ground up. So this is just the the learning curve, the initial ramp up for those renewables. And then as um, they kind of play out their life and they absorb that initial installation pricing hit, uh, they should be a lot more affordable moving forward because there really isn't anywhere near the same amount of operating costs for a solar plant as there is for a 
a coal facility where they have to purchase coal every year, a solar plant, you make that upfront capital investment in infrastructure, panels, inverters, and then it just produces electricity. I mean, you have to clean them every so often. You have to do some, some basic maintenance and maybe replace some broken panels, but it is so much less than uh, operating a coal plant. So I love, I love this. And on top of that, the, the increase in price for electricity is essentially a direct investment in the health of the residents. I mean, I, I would expect to see that as renewables continue to increase in, as a percentage of the power to the grid there in Ontario, um, we, would, we would also see a similar decrease in uh, fossil fuel combustion related illnesses like respiratory illnesses, uh, cancer rates, um, etc. So I, I think it's a great investment. It's a great step for the, the province. And yeah, really, really excited about that. It's a great showcase installation. Just as a one quick last note, uh, before we move on to the uh, Tesla Model 3 and its uh, its uh, imminent unveiling, uh, it is true that the electricity rates in Ontario have gone up somewhat in the past decade. Uh, one thing to keep in mind here is that Canada has tended to have much lower electric rates than the states. Uh, and so what's really happened with Ontario, important context, is that they've gone from sort of uh, not including medical costs, extra cheap power, to uh, power costs today, which are probably in line with the North American average. I'll try and find uh, a few stats on that for the show notes. So um, it's it's important uh, for the readers not to think that uh, one is turning into, say, a Germany or a Japan situation where electricity is like super expensive, uh, because ultimately it's uh, it's a matter of of basically cross-subsidized uh, uh, electricity going from super below average to, you know, in, in the middle of the ballpark. Uh, now, however, I shall perhaps turn it to our uh, Tesla owner, uh, Kyle, to um, uh, walk us through the, uh, the imminent uh, introduction. I believe we are at uh, uh, three minus seven days as we're recording here. Yeah, I would expect to start seeing lines out front of uh, Tesla stores any day now. It's a really interesting uh, process, and it's going to be fun to watch this play out in person. Uh, Zach and I will actually be down in Los Angeles for the day, um, standing in line, getting some interviews with folks, uh, reserving a couple Model 3s, and um, it's going to be really interesting to see this play out. But uh, unfortunately, we won't be able to get into that event. Um, we actually um, were not able to get in. We, we entered the lottery with several different owners, um, we applied for press credentials and weren't able to, to secure that uh, entry pass, but we will be very, very, very close to the event and probably wandering over just to to kind of feed on some of that vibe. But um, yeah, it's going to be a, a fun event and really looking forward to the uh, the reveal. Just from a Tesla standpoint, it's going to be a huge milestone in uh, the evolution of, of EVs as we look back. Yeah, I mean, I think this is basically, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to not call this the, the Model T of the 21st century. I mean, this is likely to be a standout historic car that is that is going to transform the automobile industry. Again, the transportation industry, uh, and, you know, if, if, it, if, if it's uh, self-driving pretty soon, it really, really has such an impact. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's hard to overstate the the relevance of this car, in my opinion. Um, on the other hand, it is. I I don't think Tesla's perfect, and I and I I think um, I've heard from longtime EV 
reporters recently, I won't name, you know, a bit of um, disappointment that Tesla hasn't hasn't done a better job supporting the EV enthusiast community, blogger community, reporter community, uh, and I'm a bit disappointed because I'm coming over from uh, from Europe to was hoping was planning to uh, attend the unveiling, and we haven't we haven't gotten an invite, haven't gotten in from Tesla. Um, it seems there there will be press there, but most likely it's just some large tech sites and ge- general tech sites and mass media sites, and um, I, th- I think that's pretty disappointing. I mean, I, I as most listeners know, you know, I, I ended up on a top twenty list with Elon Musk and Obama. Uh, a few, few years back, even when we were just really starting to cover EVs a lot, uh, for my influence on the fuel economy um, debate, uh, because of our EV coverage, and there are a few other. Uh, there's, there's basically two or maybe three other top green car, electric car sites out there with with uh, the the audience that we have, and uh, a couple, a few other green car bloggers were on that list, and um, as far as I know, none of us have, have gotten an, an invite, um, and, and I mean, a couple of them are even part of much bigger automobile um, networks, so it, it's it's disappointing to to, say, <laughs> to put it, uh, I guess, a little mildly, but it's also, I think, a bit of a failure on Tesla's part that they're not supporting the, the community that supports them the most. I'm very confident that we've stimulated helped helps stimulate a lot more tesla purchases than uh the big tech and mass media sites that are that are probably going to be at the unveiling so um you know that's what it is i guess but uh we'll, we'll just work harder to try to get um get them to recognize us but i think tesla could could benefit from a bit of a a shift in and uh, I mean, how hard is it to, to bring a, to bring a handful of top electric car journalists who cover this forty hours a week or more uh, to the unveiling? But um, but overall, it's, it looks like a really exciting event. I mean, this is monumental. It's going to shake this car is going to shake up the industry. We'll we'll be happily watching from an unplugged performance event right next door, um, and uh, see what happens. I've noticed in, uh, I think this past week, uh, GM did a little bit of a trolling uh, exercise uh, showing various aspects of the uh, of the pre-production bolt being uh, run through, um, you know, assembly lines and, and similar, um, uh, I guess you might call it pilot production or practice levels of production. So I would imagine that after all of the secrecy with the Model X, uh, once we do have the, the Model 3 unveil, that... Um, Tesla might adopt one of these more transparent approaches. I, I certainly hope that's the case, uh, because uh, while there is, uh, you can get a lot of uh, mystique off of the you know, concealment right up to the announcement, Apple style, uh, I would imagine that people this time around for the Model 3 will want uh, basically more pieces of the Lego puzzle, as it were, uh, as, as uh, the vehicle advances. Uh, very, I, I'm also very uh, hopeful to see what um, what comes out. Uh, certainly, the uh, the Bolt is a is a nice vehicle, but it doesn't quite have the Tesla flair styling wise. And I could certainly imagine that the designers have been hard at work to create something which is um, not just functional but uh, fluid. And you know, uh, I'm trying to think of how many words I could use with F: ferocious, fluid, fantastic. Um, 
so uh, I will hope to be uh, tuning into the, uh, the the live stream, and uh, I shall be certainly perusing the local Tesla store uh, after its unveiling to see what the uh, um, uh, what the uh, consumer uptake for reservations is. Having having just taken out a mortgage, we're we're kind of at the stage where uh, might have to wait a little bit before uh, putting money down for a car uh, that we we can't immediately get. But uh, I'm certainly uh, I'm certainly eager to be uh, tantalized. <laughs> I'm expecting. I, I would be surprised if we didn't have at least a hundred thousand reservations lined up after, like, at the end of April first. Um, I think demand is just pent up for Tesla. They've got uh, so much demand for these expensive cars. The Model X still probably has twenty thousand reservations pending. Yeah, there's uh, on the Tesla Motors Club forum. There's been a a poll, a, a little poll uh, going on about how how many reservations people think will come in and. Um, Actually, there's not that many people. Really, the upper end uh, who think a hundred thousand or more. I think it could definitely hit a hundred thousand. I mean, I, I think it could be. There's so much demand for this car. It's out of the. It's it's way out of the out of orbit. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It's really hard to judge. Who knows? No, nobody really has a, a good sense. There's no polling like we have with the presidential elections. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's up there and. A hundred thousand or plus uh, arena by the end of April first. Yeah, I guess I just want to just want to add in that uh, with the uh, the three unveiled being so uh, looked forward to, so anticipated, there is a risk of a letdown if if you know a part, it doesn't get a million reservations and cure cancer and solve global warming all at once. So. Um, Perhaps uh, one little bit of context is that uh, we don't want to get ourselves hyped up so much that uh, that anything that could possibly be announced and any results could be a disappointment. Uh, so it's 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 best to uh, just be wowed and not try to get taken uh, care get carried away basically by uh, our uh, our hopes and dreams. You know we'll get there, but um, uh, there's there's. Uh, I, I worry a little bit that there could be a, a bit of a letdown since the, there's such a frenzy of anticipation that a, a wonderful, solid, excellent vehicle might still garner a bit of a bit of a sigh if it, you know, if it doesn't, uh, uh, if it if it if it doesn't also cure cancer along with everything else. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I'm not. Uh, basically, I don't, I don't have big expectations. I mean, I, I think the the standard specs for the car would really matter, and and we already know them. Uh, and the reservations, I mean, they're they're going to happen. The car will be. I have no doubt the car will, will sell well eventually, but uh, who knows at the beginning. And re, I mean, regarding the the stock, it's so volatile. I mean, you have to to, to be a Tesla investor or trader. I think you either have to just not care or pay attention and just be really long term, which I, I think is uh, pretty clearly the case with Kyle and I, Kyle and me. But um, if you're actually like, you know, watching it and trading in the short term, it's it's a crazy stock. It's such a roller coaster ride. I mean, uh, I, it's, it's dropped off a cliff this year and then risen back up to where it was at the beginning of the year. And uh, with no apparent reason why. I mean, maybe macro trends, maybe oil, it may be uh, lack of news. Who knows? It's, it's really hard to know. I mean, I was following that discussion for a while on the Tesla Motors Club forum. It was 
little bewildering to most of us. It's like, well, why? <laughs> you know, we bought as it was dropping because we're like, oh my gosh, and they're going to be this low again, and it kept dropping, 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 uh, and it was uh, it was just it's it's weird. It's a it's a crazy stock to 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 play with, and I, I mean, if if you put a lot of money in on the short term on it, it's uh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. It's <laughs> it's too volatile, it's too crazy, uh, without sense, um, you know. Yeah. So um, on that, there is a um, stock traders uh, rule of thumb or saying that you buy the rumor and sell the news, which is that if you have any event for any big event for any company, maybe it doesn't apply to Apple, but it does apply for many companies where there's anticipation for something, then the idea is that you program your trading algorithms to buy up stuff in the weeks and days before. Once the news is announced, you know, then there's no more uncertainty. There's no possibility for, you know, for that extra, you know, super pizzazz uh, thing, which jumps the stock price up tr- dramatically, you know, as soon as the announcement is made, and assuming the stock doesn't, you know, leap phenomenally, then you sell because uh, then um, you you basically are trying to take advantage of the enthusiasm and the unknown upside. Then whatever's announced, they sell. So uh, it it isn't unusual that uh, Tesla stock often rises in the lead-up to announcement and then drops off a little bit afterwards. That is actually a relatively common. Uh, I guess we can ultimately blame the uh, the trading algorithms for that. Oh, the phrase again is, uh, uh, buy the rumor, sell the news. Oh, yeah, that has definitely been the story with uh, Tesla. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things, again, that has bewildered... Um, a lot of Tesla enthusiasts, on the, at least on the Tesla Motors Club forum, um, and myself, because uh, basically you have like huge events that uh, the unveiling of Autopilot last year and the and the D um, all-wheel drive, the P P eighty five D, and then the Model X event last year as well. Uh, sorry, I guess the, the the Autopilot event was two year, two years ago, a year and a half ago. Um, but anyway, yeah, all, all these events. I mean, we expected. Uh, I think for many Tesla enthusiasts, there was more announced than we expected. It was a bigger event than expected. Uh, yet the stock price uh, climbed beforehand and dropped after. So I don't know if it's just strategic that people do that or if, I don't know, people were expecting unicorns and miracles to, to pop out of the event. Um, but but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again with this Model 3 event. Uh, like I said, it, it dropped a lot earlier this year and then the stock price has been rising uh, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just rising up to the event, and then we'll see a drop. But uh, but yeah, I'm not playing that game. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, that expression that in the short term the market is like a voting machine, sort of how popular is a is a company at any given time. Whereas in the long run, the market serves as a uh, a weighing machine, so that uh, in the long run, if a company is healthy, has good fundamentals, and has a uh, you know smart management, you know financial discipline, and so forth that a stock will tend to do well. Uh, I suppose the uh, uh, the pessimist side or the critic side is that, well, Tesla's had some teething problems, every car company does, and that it may have, um, basically that they're hoping that that sort of sinks the company before it can soar. Um, whereas the uh, the positive, uh, the, the bullish case on Tesla is that, well, you know, it's in a position of strength, despite all the mistakes it has made, all the, all the mistakes that any car startup could be expected to make. Uh, it has uh, it has a phenomenal brand, 
and that gives it kind of it's not like uh, it's not like the star of invincibility in Super Mario Brothers, but that gives it a lot more leeway and patience with uh, early clients to to settle through uh, those teething issues. Once it can overcome those, um, there's there's all the uh, one, one hopes and expects that the foundation has been laid for a successful, you know, highly profitable new premium uh, market, uh, uh, a premium brand, not just for cars, perhaps uh, with the batteries and other businesses as well. So uh, it's um, so yeah, that whole uh, uh, voting machine slash weighing machine uh, context is a. Uh, is an interesting lens with which to see this. Uh, I shall note that uh, a friend of mine in, in the late 90s made a bunch of money on tech stocks and decided he wanted to go into a risk-free investment, and he invested in funeral homes. And um, that company went bankrupt. So so my friend bet on death and lost. Uh, I'll write that up in the show notes. It was a fairly infamous episode in Canadian uh, business history. But... Um, you know, just as a reminder to any listeners who might be investing out there, you know, please make sure you're only investing with money you can afford to lose, however improbable it seems that you may lose it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, maybe I should clarify. You know, I, I, I think, uh, I mean, I personally believe in Tesla. I think it's got a, a good road to success, but there's, it, it definitely has some big hurdles to overcome. I mean, there's, it's definitely not a guaranteed win. Um, uh, and we've seen, you know, the technology, the leaders in a new technology time and time again, uh, not not last. Uh, so even though Tesla is the clear leader right now in the electric car market, it, it, there's no guarantee it'll last. Um, and I mean, the big hurdle is is ramping up tremendously uh, to 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 bring about Model Three production and bringing costs down at the same time uh, to to bring you know half a million cars to market a year uh, by 2020 or whatever. That's that's a huge task. There's, I mean, uh, we've seen the Tesla surpassed the huge hurdles of bringing the Model S to market, the Model X to market, um, ramping up production in a handful of years tremendously. Uh, but but yeah, we can't underestimate how big of a challenge this this is. I guess with my earlier comments about not wanting to get overhyped about it, I'm just approaching it the way I approached the recent Star Wars movie. That uh, you know, all I want. All I wanted from that Star Wars movie was a nice uh, lightsaber scene, and I'd be happy. Uh, as long as the uh, the Model 3 is promised the 200 miles, 300 kilometers of range, uh, I'm sure I'll be pleased with whatever comes. I uh, I don't want to get myself all jacked up with, uh, with expectations and hype. Um, I just uh, like to be pleasantly surprised, and I expect that I will be. Well, thanks for joining Matthew, Kyle, and, and me for another week of Clean Tech Talk. Uh, check in next time to get your electric fix. Beep.